Hello, and welcome to the Accidental Muralist podcast. My name is Pam Concier. I'm the founder of All Hands Art. You can find me at allhandsart.com. You can find this podcast there. You can find my blog there. You can find out some other things I'm involved in and uh, things that I'm, I like to tackle in my work, which um, I, I think of myself as a teaching artist, but I, I'm interested in a lot more than like how to make stuff. Um, I see making things as just a vehicle for connecting with my own soul, with other people, with the soul of the universe. And it's a little, it's a little bit more than just like making pretty pictures is how I think of it. Um, but there's more about that on my website and, and today is I believe episode 16 which actually if I had if I had known where this was going to go I would have made the first uh, 14 episodes season one and I would have started a season two with the last episode last month um, but I, I didn't know where this was going I just started it last year not exactly knowing what it was going to turn into but what I started last month was something that I'm envisioning lasting for this school year, 20, uh, what year is it? 2021 into 2022 school year, late August through May-ish, let's say. Um, and I'm calling this period Heart School. And embedded in Heart School is the term Art School. And like I just said, um, you know, art for me is more about how to create a life as your as your creative project, um, your life as your work of art. And so each month for heart school, I'm choosing a word. Last month's word was agency. Um, I will talk a little bit more about that in a minute as it ties into this month's word, which is ritual. And just as a little teaser, each of the words for these nine months are going to be part of an acronym that spells something, but you'll have to keep coming back to find out what it is. So agency last month, ritual this month, ritual. I actually like how agency and ritual for me are connected because if we're talking about agency the way I the way I use the term which is the understanding that you have choice in almost everything we do. A lot of us are kind of stuck in this mindset of like, oh, I can't quit my job because I haven't earned enough money for retirement or I can't um I can't be an artist because I'm not good enough and or I can't take that dance class because I don't have time and we're full of like all the reasons why we can't live the life that we want um, and so last month's talk about agency was was sort of trying to get underneath those things what does it really mean when you say you don't have time um, can we be more honest in how we phrase that like well I'm choosing to um, spend my time doing other things, which, you know, you are perfectly entitled to do. Um, but let's remember that we have agency. We are making choices continually all day, every day, and those choices create a life. So agency for me ties into ritual because in, in, in ways going both directions, because ritual, as someone as I am someone who grew up in the Christian church, it was filled with ritual, but I also understood or sort of absorbed this idea that the rituals needed to be created by the pastor or the bishop or God, and that I, just a lowly person, did not, was not allowed to create rituals. So now that I've stepped into my own agency, Gradually over time, thank goodness, since I'm 56 and I can't keep waiting for other people to tell me all the things I need to be doing, um, I, I have been creating my own rituals. So in this 
episode today, I'm going to share a little bit about what my rituals are, but the point is not so that you can copy my rituals. The point is so that you can um, infuse your day with more agency and create something of beauty and soul that you will want to return to every day. So we've just could, we've, we've infused our rituals with agency and let me just um, make a distinction before we go further between ritual and routine because we all have routines you know we might get up at a certain time every day we brush our teeth we eat breakfast blah 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 we have coffee we eat lunch we go for a walk whatever your routine is which is great but that's not what i'm talking about really because ritual i'm thinking of not a to-do item um well i guess i could think of it as like my soul's to-do list <laughs> that sounds kind of cheesy i just thought of it but it's it's um it's creating sort of a nurturing home that sounds weird too not a physical home but like a place that i want to come back to every day that can be kind of a grounding centering space in my day let's say that so that's i want i want us to think of ritual not as a should but as something we structure for ourselves that's so life affirming that we can't wait to do it again the next day. And as somebody who once as over the past 20 years or so, as I was kind of stepping into this role of artist, switching away from my gradually from my career as a school teacher um, into being the artist that I had always wanted to be and didn't think I was allowed to be. That's things I've talked about in other places. Um, I tried over the years to create routines around art making um, or rituals around it. I've had, you know, varied degrees of success, but actually nothing stuck. And I have to admit to you that my rituals that I'm going to be talking about actually are not directly related to art making. They involve writing, sometimes they involve doodling or, you know, they, there's a lot of creativity that might come out of them. But the rituals that I have um, integrated into my life, into my mornings, they're actually not around like my time to paint. I still haven't figured out that. Maybe that'll be my next step is to is to create rituals that that are around daily art making. Um, mine, the way I see mine are more, um, it's a space that I've created that connects me to the natural world, to my own body, to spirit, and to soul. That's the way I would describe it. It's not what I set out. I didn't set out to like, let me create some rituals because I need to, you know, but when I look at what I do each morning, that's kind of what's happening. Um, so now I'm going to take a breath because I'm trying to uh, let go of some of the characteristics of white supremacy that tell me things like everybody's time is money time is money be you know don't waste people's time by being too wordy and everybody everything is urgent we have to do it right now and squeeze it all in and make sure people get their money's worth um, so I'm just gonna relax and take a breath and slow down and I'm gonna tell you how my morning ritual came to be because I want you to know about me I was a school teacher for about 20 years, not an art teacher, a kindergarten teacher, first grade. I taught fourth grade a little bit. I taught high school when I was a Peace Corps volunteer. Um, so in my, in my former life as a 
teacher, I had to be an early bird. You know, I had to be ready to open the door to my classroom to, for the students to come in at about eight in the morning. I, I was raising kids during most of that time, so getting to work by eight meant getting the kids to school or to daycare or where, however old they were before I did that. So, it, you know, I, I had to get up early and I didn't love it. It was full of um, rushing and trying to, you know, like squeeze in as much sleep as I could. So that meant compressing all the thing, you know, always being in a hurry, rushing to get out the door, always feeling like I was running late, which I wasn't, but you know, I was always cutting it close. And mornings were not a relaxing time. And when I, when I heard about early birds, or we have these phrases in our language, the early bird catches the worm, or early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. They always sounded very um, judgy to me and strivey. And so I pictured like people who chose to get up early were just, you know, the kind of people who wanted to attack their to-do list and then brag about how much they got done before you woke up. And so there was really zero things about getting up early that appealed to me. And then here's what happened. Last year, a couple months into the pandemic, it was in July, so we'd been in some version of lockdown for a couple months. I was feeling very squishy and lethargic. And even though I had become a dedicated sleeper inner for the past decade or so after I stopped teaching, I never really felt rested or energized when I woke up. I was always just kind of dragging out of bed no matter what time it was. And this was bothering me and I just felt like saggy and old and slow and that that's not really who I was. I remembered hearing something about Ayurveda. I had listened to a talk. Ayurveda, I've mentioned here before, I'll put a link maybe with a resource about it, but it's, it's an Ayurveda is an ancient uh, lifestyle philosophy from India, very all encompassing yoga is a part of it. And it's, it's like a lifestyle wellness philosophy, wholeness philosophy. Um, that, and so just the tiny bit I knew about it, that's where my mind went like, hmm, maybe there's something there that can help. So I listened to the talk again that I had heard. I ordered a book and probably a couple, and as I'm reading the book, when it, it came a few days later, the first section, which was big and seemed really important, was all about how essential it is to get up early in the morning before the sun is up. <laughs> so I'm reading this as a dedicated sleeper inner thinking, well, maybe I'll just try some of the other things and eh, maybe someday in the future I'll get up early. But, you know, like that, I had a lot of resistance to that. And I also didn't want to, you know, like I wasn't going to be strivy about this and just, you know, beat myself up and to, to adopt all these things at once. So I, I kind of just skimmed over it, kept reading. And a couple days later, I woke up at 4.30 in the morning. And this was summer, it was July. So you have to, like, that's the time you would need to wake up to be up about an hour before the sun, which is what she was recommending in this book. <clears throat> so I'm laying there in bed thinking, well, I could go back to sleep. Or I could just try it. I could just try it for a day. I don't need to commit to doing this for the rest of my life, but I could just see what happens because that's how I like to approach everything. If you've listened to any of my podcasts, read my blog, come to any of my art classes that I'm trying to approach and to encourage other people to approach pretty much everything as an experiment, like just try it, just see what will happen. Um, so I got up and the thing that I had read in the book about why to get up early, it was not to be strivy and start attacking your to-do list and get all the dishes washed and 
it was not anything about that. It was, it was because the time before dawn, the air has this quality to it that is very life affirming. I don't think she used the word magic, but there's something very essential and I'm just going to say magic about it. And watching the world wake up, watching nature come to life, watching the birds start singing and the neighbor cats start making their rounds and the squirrels coming out and watching the world wake up is a very natural thing to do. And she reminded me in the book that infants normally wake up around the crack of dawn. Most animals that are not nocturnal are waking up at dawn. And so for humans to participate in that is a healthy reminder. This is now kind of my interpretation. This might not be what she said, but it helps us remember that we are nature. We're a part of nature. We can get up and witness the waking up of the world, the sky turning light, the sun coming up, and there's something very, what's the word? Nourishing, I guess, comes to mind. Starting your day that way, contrasted with what I was doing before, which was kind of trying to cling to more and more sleep. Yes, I enjoy the comfort of that warm bed in the morning. And it is, I'm going to be honest, it's still hard for me to get out of bed. The getting out of bed is hard. Also, the going to bed early enough so that I'm not, it's not so hard the next morning. That's still hard. So this has not become like super easy. But as soon as I'm up, it it's worth it. And it's it feels so much healthier than my old habit, which was to stay in bed as long as, you know, I could stand it practically, pull out my phone at some point, maybe look at some email or see if there's any text, check what the weather's going to be, maybe pop on Instagram and, and then feel crummy when I did get out of bed, like, shit, I've just wasted time. Like that's how I was starting my mornings. Now, the, the way I start my mornings now is by going outside. That's almost the first thing I do. Or usually I will brush my teeth, I'll pee, I will put on the kettle for making myself some yerba mate, and then I will go outside and do a few like stretches and kind of arm circles and put my hands or my bare feet, depending on how the weather is, into the soil for a few seconds. There's some mantras around that. I'm, so by the time I'm sitting down to drink my warm beverage, which is one of my favorite things in the world, I've breathed in the air, I've touched the ground and made a connection. I'm, watch, I'm looking at the sky, I'm listening to the birds, and then I sit with my tea outside unless it's raining. And if it's too dark, I might just sit like I did this morning and kind of watch what's going on and listen. If it's light enough, I might pull out a notebook or a book and read or write. And I'm not doing work writing. I, I often do get ideas for works. So I might jot those down, but I'm not like... I would not be writing my blog posts at this time. This is just what's on my mind, what do I feel like reading, um, just some time to kind of nourish my brain and see what's going on in there. And then, this is how it goes now. It, it probably didn't start exactly like this last summer, but this is how it's evolved. And it changes a little bit with the seasons, which is great because that's kind of the whole point of seasons. But I'll stick with the summer thing, what I was doing and what I 
what I did, although not as early this summer, but I still did it. I would do about an hour of reading, and then let's say that's from like six to seven. Drink, getting my tea ready, sitting outside, reading or writing, watching the birds, the sky, reading and writing. And then around seven, or I'll just use that for the time when it's getting pretty light. This is actually even more ideal if I can do it, start before it's all, before the sun pops up over the rooftops. I will get out my yoga mat and um, do three rounds of sun salutations. I might explain a little bit more about that. Actually, I'm going to attach a graphic. And if you're reading, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, you might have to go to my website for the graphic because I don't know if I can put it in the notes there. Um, I shared my sun salutation ritual with a group recently, and somebody asked more, had questions about it. Um, and so I've made a little graphic that shows what I do and what I say as I'm doing this, um, these series of poses. And I guess I'll just say it. I feel like this is kind of rambling, but that's okay. During my sun salutations, I was doing it the way that Acharya Shunya in her book, that Ayurveda book, the way she does it. And I still am doing the movements the way she's done it. I've added in one pose, which is just standing on my toes, arms outstretched sort of at diagonals above me um, at the beginning, just for a little balance because I actually had more to say and I wanted to add in something, <laughs> add in a post so I could include one more thing. Um, and the, the way she did it, that I was starting to do it, she does it as a sun, actual sun worshiping ritual. So each pose there's your naming and giving gratitude for different attributes of the sun, the sun that moves across the sky, that induces activity, that has rays, that has, um, is the cause of luster. That's my favorite one. Um, and so she does it as a as a way to worship the sun. I found that really interesting, but then later on in, I think last fall or this spring, I was reading Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmer. And she has a chapter in there about pledge allegiance to gratitude and she talks about the gratitude rituals the greetings and gratitude of the onondaga people the hotanasani i hope i'm saying that right people in in upstate new york and and into canada across that border that artificial border that didn't used to be there um the way the ritual that they do to begin any kind of meeting public meeting school day or school week um, anytime that people are gathering they will go through and verbalize gratitude and greetings to the natural world to all the elements in the natural world to the water to the plants our first teachers to the berries to the trees to the animals to the thunder and lightning and grand grandmother moon and mother earth and it was so beautiful to think of how that would impact one's day or one's meeting if everybody got on the same page to do that that i decided what i wanted to do was to take to use gratitude and greeting and kind of superimpose that into my sun salutations. So now what I do instead of instead of focusing everything on the sun, I use each pose as an opportunity to give gratitude and I have a like an order I do them and certain things that I say with specific poses to give thanks and greetings to to each other all the people, to Mother Earth, to Father Trees, and I've, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but it's on that graphic that I'm going to share. 
and there's a lot of there's a lot of meat in here for me this I would say is the foundation or the the main dish kind of of my morning ritual is the sun salutation because in it I kind of feel like everything is covered in a way I'm I'm stretching my body which you know after a lifetime of telling myself oh I'm not a morning exerciser turns out people can change it feels so good to stretch in the morning I love it so I'm stretching my body I'm strengthening my body as I do these poses and, and the things I do afterwards but I'm also giving greeting not just gratitude but greetings as though you know I can talk to the natural world and they can hear me and I'm assigning them kinship titles like mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, auntie, uncle, um, cousins, because that's another thing that I need to reteach myself or remember, because I think I already knew it in my bones when I was born, is that we are nature. We are kin with nature. We are not separate from nature. We are not above nature. Like I learned in church that we have dominion over all the you know animals and and that we're the bosses of everything a quick look around the globe shows what happened you know what is the result of that attitude of like we're the boss of nature we can extract it we can damage it we can abuse it we can use it for our our pleasure um, and that has gotten us into a real bind so my morning practice my my sun salutation ritual which i feel like again is the foundation of my morning practice is to remind myself that i am kin with the natural world while i'm doing this i am stretching my body i'm strengthening my body i'm working on my balance and um and I usually say all these things out loud. Sometimes when I'm outside and if I feel self-conscious about you know, my neighbors because their houses are really close, sometimes I just think it in my head. But if I'm inside my studio, I, I say it out loud and I might embellish a lot one day and sometimes I keep it really simple another day. And, um, but I'm, I'm practicing giving gratitude and seeing myself as kin relative relation with the natural world. Obviously, this is not my creation. This is so common to pretty much every indigenous culture ever around the world. Um, and cultural appropriation might be a little red flag that comes up. And I, I have thought through that because here I'm taking this practice from ancient India, superimposing it with indigenous practices from the eastern part of Turtle Island and what I'm not going to do is package it up call it my invention and sell it for a profit so um, and like I might have said earlier white culture gives us shopping as a value as a cultural practice and church going um, so so I you know, there's not a lot in my own culture that I can mine for for the meaning that I'm seeking. So, yes, I am finding it in other cultures, and and I am so grateful, and I I want to share it because it's meaningful. But I'm not. I don't want to turn a profit from it and pretend that I invented it, because um, that's cultural appropriation. So after my sun salutations, then, so here's something that happened for me, probably for you during the pandemic. I stopped going to the gym because it closed and that's where I would take yoga classes and which I'm so thankful for because I had done about three years of yoga and about two years of Pilates, I think, at the gym before it closed. And that was enough to kind of, you know, give me things to work with on my own. So after the sun salutations, I don't, I then that's, that's that. 
but I still then I spend however much time and um, part of my morning ritual is to not not connect things directly with a time like I have to do this for 20 minutes and this for 10 minutes or this has to start right at seven or it's not that sometimes you know I am kind of generally noticing what time it is but I I'm not trying to fit it into a certain number of minutes or attach it to a certain hour of the day but after my sun salutation rounds I will continue on my yoga mat and what I found is when I'm not going to yoga class with other people and there's not a mirror in front of me and there's not other students to compare myself with because sorry but I can't help it it brings my practice internal and I love that so now the extension of the yoga after I do the sun salutations is just to feel like what does my body need today maybe my lower back is a little sore so I might do some more extra stretching there maybe I just want to sort of wiggle around in ways that I would feel that, that I'm doing right now while I'm talking that I would feel self-conscious doing in a room with other people but I'm by myself and it feels really good in my body so I'm gonna just let my body move however it wants to and I'm gonna do some slow stretches or today I feel good energy so I'm gonna do some you know like balance postures or strength poses or you know I'm gonna hold this one for longer because it feels really good and I'm feeling really strong today or, or other days it's like you know what all I want to do is just lay down in Shavasana for however long I want to because it feels good so that freedom and agency to then it's kind of like I turn the floor over to my body like what else do you want and sometimes it's sort of classic yoga poses sometimes it's Pilates moves sometimes it's just stretching it's whatever sometimes because we've, I've been dancing a lot of flamenco and learning Lydia, sometimes I'll move the yoga mat aside and do some dancing um, sometimes I put on music usually I don't sometimes I listen to something very inspiring like some CDs I have of Clarissa Pinkola Estes telling me stories <laughs> I love that uh, she's the author of women who run with the wolves um, another mythologist and storyteller who just uh, so good um, so that's so my time on the mat is roughly maybe an hour ish um, I don't really care and then I usually finish that off after Shavasana with a seated meditation and a little buzzing bee breathing thing that I love and and then a meditation um, that sounded awkward and out of order but and I have and I want to say that I'm kind to myself I if I forget things or if I'm away from home and I sleep till 715 and I all I do is the sun salutations that's okay I'm not gonna beat myself up about that I don't want this to be a have to and something that makes me feel bad about myself because remember what I said at the beginning is the ritual that I'm creating is a gift to myself so the worst case scenario is today I didn't get that gift or I only got a tiny bit of the gift and when I get back home or when you know when things get a little more quote-unquote normal in my life then I can up my gift giving to myself so I there's other her the book by Acharya Shunya is so packed with mantras and other things like it would it would take my entire day to do all the things which actually is a pretty awesome way to spend a day but I do have other things I want to get done in my day so I have but I I this ritual component of my day can last for like three hours um, and that is not what I am suggesting that you do what I am offering the invitation I am giving 
is um, to use your agency if you if you aren't already to allowing yourself some kind of ritual that feels juicy and and soulful and health and life affirming um, maybe try to wedge it into your day and uh, full disclosure I've I've restarted recording this a few times so I might be forgetting what I said because I, I I you know for whatever reasons I'm not I was perfect getting it out on the first attempt but what I want if I didn't say it already or to repeat if I did say it at the beginning the purpose of my morning ritual and this is a purpose that I'm kind of seeing in hindsight it's not like I set out with this goal in mind but when I look at the things that I do in the morning they have the function of connection that's the main thing connection with my body connecting with the natural world and the cycles and the changes going on in the natural world day to night monthly lunar changes um, the seasonal changes and they have to do with connecting me to spirit um, through meditation and kind of checking in with what I think of as divine creativity and connecting to me me to my soul's purpose so I think of it like body, my body as a microcosm of the macrocosm that is the universe and the natural world. That's a Ayurvedic concept. And my connecting to both spirit and soul, which little um, teaser again is going to be the topic of in two months spirit. I plan to dive into spirit and soul because there's such juicy stuff there and I also think of this time what what happens and this is again mostly in retrospect seeing how it's impacted my life I feel like what this morning ritual time does for me is it creates a spaciousness in my day that invites an inspiration and I love the word inspiration or anything with the word spire in it which is about breathing because it feels to me like I can use this time to breathe in ideas, energy, creativity from the universe or from the divine creatrix, how I think of her. Um, and I can sort of breathe out appreciation and gratitude and and so there's a sort of an in and out quality um, and that it, it's also a source of support and what I find in my meditation time and this is this is the result of other books and I'm not going to go into all of those right now but I've been doing a lot of meditations involving ancestors um, another area of white culture that is pretty vacant um, not a lot happening there or you know we're not we don't I wasn't anyway brought up with um, much connection to ancestors other than like studying genealogy was a part of my family but it, it not ancestors as like a force of support or a source of support so that comes into my meditation um, and it has actually been really beautiful and inspiring in ways that I did not expect and healing and maybe I'll talk more about that another time I think I'll leave it there for right now and when so this space as I'm inviting you to to create or tune up your rituals or or you know how if if you find that you want to make it more of a part of your day I really want to emphasize the beauty and I was describing the summer version that I started last year that has 
a lot to do with being outside and watching the morning sky and depending on where you live winter might be a really different thing and you're not going to be hanging out outside and I wasn't quite sure what my winter ritual would look like but what I ended up doing and which I also love is surrounding myself inside my studio during the winter with candles and all the reading that I would do before daylight I haven't we're not at that time of the year yet we're in transition um, the equinox was this week but I will I try to not use electric lights until the sun comes up so unless I'm maybe um, plugging in my strings of little lights that I have in my studio um, kind of for ambiance and beauty but I I would light enough candles to read by which usually means like eight candles um, and just create this little oh it's so beautiful just like this little glowing space with an altar that I made I actually meant to talk a lot more about altars today and I forgot that was actually going to be my my homework assignment to you which you are still free to take up because along with understanding that I have the agency to create rituals I also have the agency to create an altar and put on it things that are meaningful to me so that's what I've done um, with picture and the ancestors I was just talking about pick photos of ancestors are all over my altar of course this is not my idea this is very common in Mexico the day of the dead and the ofrendas and de, de la, los muertos and this is something that has has also seeped into parts of American culture from Mexico um, and there you know, I'm not pretending that I'm inventing any of this, but I, I see the beauty in it in including ancestors in my morning ritual, just in my space, in my day. I have a lot of rocks on my altar because I love rocks. I love the idea that we kind of think of rocks as boring gray things. And then I go to so many beaches and the rocks are red and they're green and they're golden and they're just so many beautiful colors so with all these crazy patterns and designs on them and so I, I'm kind of a collector of beautiful rocks um, so I have rocks on it I have other small things that are meaningful to me personally I have pictures of my children and I have some dragonfly little metal art pieces that Mark got me a couple of years ago that have meaning for me and just little things that I've created so I and a candle on it too so I have my altar with the candle lit and in the winter lots of candles and that's the environment that I set up for myself to read or write or just be nourished again because that life is hard like the world just in a word it kind of sucks right now there's so much negative stuff going on that it almost feels like we you know we humans need something like this for survival because it's pretty bleak out there and i i almost feel like i gorge myself on beauty and inspiration um, and nature and stillness just as a kind of a self-preservation tool because you know it's it's hard and I think this is why humans invented rituals because we need we need ways to kind of keep I don't know now I'm just going off the top of my head so I better I'm gonna stop and think more about that later and come back to you but but I encourage you to make your space, if it's a space that you're creating, or your movements, or your meditation, so beautiful that you it invites you to come back again and again. And in the winter thing, here's another thing that, that makes me smile. Last winter, my, one of my sisters knitted me a, uh, or maybe crocheted me a, 
like a shawl poncho kind of thing. And she got the pattern from our other sister and both of those, both of my sisters made one for themselves. So all three of us have this same style of little poncho woolen shawl thingy. So in the winter, when I'm coming out to my studio and it's cold, um, I, I wrap myself in an A's, a blanket that I got at an A's game years ago, which I also love. And then I put this shawl over me that's like a hug, a, a sister hug. And then I have candles in front of me and I have my altar and then I have my journal or my doodle book or whatever book I'm reading to open it up. And I might have a string of lights around the room that's lit also. And that's a really nice way to start the day. So summer, winter, fall, spring, any time is a good time to start. Um, start small if you need to. Maybe it's just one mantra. There's one that I'll leave you with that's a hand blessing. Um, this is also from Acharya Shunya's book. She, I'm paraphrasing, but she touches or rubs her fingertips in gratitude um, to Lakshmi, who put the goddess Lakshmi, who puts all creativity and abundance right at her fingertips. She touches the palms of her hands and thanks the goddess Saraswati for putting all the knowledge and wisdom she will ever need into the palms of her hands. And at the wrists, gratitude to the goddess Durga for infusing her wrists with personal power, strength, and the ability to perform noble deeds. And like I said, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's a, um, she suggests that as a, way to start the day, which is a pretty nice way. There's so many things I love about that. Um, I also was, am aware as I'm talking about things like ancestors and, and certain kinds of rituals and altars that it, depending on who you are and where, you, how you grew up, they might sound really out there or they might sound like things you've been doing for 20 years or your whole life um, but in in this country um, the messages we receive are usually not the kinds of things that I'm telling you and uh, Michael Mead who's a another mythologist who you've probably heard me quote before whose podcast the living myth I listen to, I will say religiously, because it has, um, I don't want any religion right now, but it's, it's, I'm regular and a believer in most of the things he says, even though I also don't want gurus, so he's not a guru, he's just a leader who I admire. Um, he said in something I heard this week, to have a soul in America is to feel inferior. That's pretty sad, but I think it's true. I think people who have elevated uh, senses or sensitivity with the feminine are very much looked down on. Um, he also talks a lot in his work about the leadership, let's say, that we're seeing in the political sphere that is some in some sectors is doing things that feel beyond comprehension and understanding like so cruel that you just can't even you just can't even um, he talks about loss of soul that there are people right now who don't know who they are have lost their connection with their own soul their own soul's purpose and the corollary of that is the idea that you can make soul if you can lose soul you it can also be gained back so I in, in hindsight, when I think about my rituals and what I'm trying to do each day, on a very general large scale, I'm trying to build back soul because I think that's what we need in the world right now. And through the small acts, even if they sound cuckoo to you know a lot of our population, to me they are kind of the most important thing I do in the day. It almost makes the rest of my work incidental. Like once I've done this work, where I've connected, I've 
maybe done a little healing, built back a little soul. Like, what else do I want out of life? What? Tell me something that's more important than that. So it, it just kind of gets my day off to this very full feeling of wholeness. And um, there's another quote from Michael Mead that I want to share that has to do with what I said a little earlier about how I try to not time things or make sure I meditate for 10 minutes or 20, you know, I'm not tying thing, linking things to a certain time of day. I'm, I want it to be spacious and forgiving and generous in that time. And that's how I want to be with myself and so that I can be that with other people. And he, there's another quote from him that I heard this week that sort of speaks to the generosity and, and yeah, generosity of the soul. So I'll leave you with this thought um, to go easy on yourself as you create a ritual or if you tweak the rituals that you already have, don't, don't put too much pressure on yourself. He, what he says is, our job is to get close enough. The motion of the soul is not to be utterly accurate. It is to be in the roughly right area. And once we can do that, then something in the other world comes and takes us the rest of the way. So I invite you to get close enough in whatever way you can, um, create beauty, in, invite beauty, find it because it's all around you. And with that wholeness, we can change the world. Thank you for listening. This is Pam Concier, Accidental Muralist. You can find me at allhandsart.com. And be sure and sign up for my email list if you're not already on it, because then you will get these podcasts and my blog posts delivered directly to your inbox. All right. Thank you. And I'll catch you next time.